The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. Not only are they the official video provider of Jacksonville State Athletics, but they're available to film your important event. They provide high-quality video services for your business or event at competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, wedding videography, and business videography, but also provide videography and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0864 or visit their website, D-I-F-P-B-H-A-M, that's D-I-F-P-B-H-A-M.com for more details. Down in Front Productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beat. Looking to throw, down the sideline, Hester caught it, 10, 5, touchdown, touchdown, Jackson State. He'll lose traffic, he'll drive it down and jam it in, oh my, Jamal Gregory, highlight real time, Sports Center top 10 time. This is Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Welcome into Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Alongside Avery Davis, I'm Tyler Brown, and this will be episode number 12 of the series. And uh, if you're thinking that there's been a gap in between this episode and the last episode, there definitely has. We had to take a little time off. Uh, Avery, being a student, has been busy. He's had finals last semester and then this year jumping into spring semester classes. Avery, how's everything going so far? Uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, classes getting started, everybody getting back in the swing of things. Uh, we're excited for uh, some more basketball coming up here in February and hopefully a good bit into March. And uh, w- with basketball, that's been the main reason that uh, I've been kind of out of commission when it comes to the podcast lately. I'm, I'm the main sports information director for basketball. And during the non-conference season, we were playing just – any day of the week. Now that we're back in conference play, we're playing Thursday nights and Saturday nights, and so now we're kind of in a routine, and it's been easier to kind of carve out when we can get the podcast recorded, and hopefully uh, here in the next few weeks we can release these on Tuesday rather than Thursday, get it to you a little bit earlier in the week, but we're uh, glad to be back on the air and bringing you some interviews and news around surrounding uh, Jacksonville State Athletics. Today's interview uh, who's joining us later today is Mackenzie Van Patten. She's a member of the Jacksonville State Rifle team, and we talked to her about uh, her start, how she got started in rifle, which I was curious about myself because that's something that uh, not a lot of high school programs have and really not a lot of uh, college programs have. And so it was very interesting to sit down, talk with her, see how she got started, and then uh, we just talked a little rifle. And like I was telling Avery before we started recording, it was kind of a crash course on rifle because Avery yourself, I, what did you know about rifle before you got to Jacksonville State? I didn't know anything, but I knew that we were pretty good. Yeah. And I think that's that's something that uh, Jacksonville State fans uh, don't get to see a lot. Uh, obviously, our football, basketball, softball, baseball gets a lot of publicity. Uh, we have great teams, but rifle's right there in the mix with them. Rifle, uh few years ago had a national championship in an individual category and then we've also had a few runners-ups as uh teams and so uh we kind of delve into that and talk a little bit about that and maybe you'll learn a little something about the rifle team uh, later on in the podcast but uh before we get to that a lot of stuff going on uh upcoming schedule for Jacksonville State first taking a look at basketball uh, Gamecocks hosting Tennessee State on Thursday January 30th which is the day that this was released Women tip off 5.15 p.m., men at 7.30 p.m., both those games broadcasting on ESPN+. 
And then a big doubleheader coming up Saturday, February 1st, with Belmont coming to town. The women get started at 1.45 p.m., and then the men will tip off at 4 p.m. And again, both of those games on ESPN+. Plus. The voice of the Gamecocks, Mike Paris, will have the call. WLJS 91.9 FM and WVOK 97.9. If you're out of town, away from the radio waves here in Jacksonville, you can always jump on the TuneIn app, or you can go to jsu.edu slash radio. And then Avery on uh, Sunday, February 2nd, softball fan day at 2 p.m. at University Field. Yeah, the Jacksonville State softball team is going to host its annual fan day uh, Sunday, February 2nd at University Field. This event's going to begin at about 2 o'clock, and admission is free for all fans. Softball fan day is always fun. Free posters, free schedule cards, free drinks, popcorn. Bring the kids out. There's always fantastic prizes. I know last year, Coach McGinnis gave away a few softball bats. That's the big prize. That's the one everybody's uh, competing for. So a ton of games they play to try to win prizes, and it's just a great family day out at University Field and really kind of builds up to uh, softball season and love seeing everyone rally behind the girls. It's a fantastic program, so we're looking forward to that. A lot of stuff going on in the news lately. First with Jacksonville State football. Avery mentioned it just a few minutes ago. Josh Pearson has been busy traveling. He's had a couple of trips uh, under his belt since we last talked to him. Got to go to the Sugar Bowl and then got to go to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena to compete in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Yeah, that's what we were just talking about, how how great of a, a influence Josh is on this campus and the representative that he is for our university. Uh, he does great things, obviously, with that All-State Good Works team. He's just a great representative for this university. I've been pretty jealous of him. He's getting to do a lot of <laughs> traveling, got to go to California, got to go to the Sugar Bowl, and uh, at the Sugar Bowl, he was dead center of the TV if you watched it, um, standing right behind the uh, All-State representative receiving the awards, and then uh, afterwards he had some selfies with Tim Tebow and some other college legends, and so I thought that was pretty cool for Josh. And then uh, you mentioned it earlier, not a ton of stats in the uh, in the Collegiate Bowl, but uh, he got to throw on a jersey, had the JSU helmet on, obviously, like they do in those bowl games. He's got all the other school stickers on the helmet, and that was just really cool to see Josh in that environment and uh, have to imagine he's going to get a shot at the next level. Well, you mentioned him being, being all over the TV screen. Uh, you come to any, any JSU event and he's there. Uh, and I think that's, that says a lot about his character, his personality. Um, you come to a basketball game, he's always on the video board. So uh, we're excited uh, to see what he does. Hopefully he gets a chance at the next level, but it'll be we'll miss him watching. We'll miss getting to watch him here at Jacksonville State. If you're here at the basketball game Saturday or Thursday night, uh, probably going to see him sweeping the floor. He always <laughs> grabs a dust mop and is sweeping the floor at halftime, pregame, stuff like that. And if you're here for the game as well, you're going to definitely see Kane Henry. Kane Henry's been a beast here lately for the men's basketball team. Jacksonville State kind of getting back on track. Uh, picked up their first OVC home win on Saturday against Moorhead State, 72-51. to 51. It was the lowest point total that Jacksonville State had allowed an opponent. Um, and doing that in league play is fantastic. But I was looking at some notes earlier, and one of the notes I came up with from my notes packet, Kane Henry, through his first 17 games, averaged 8.1 points, 2.5 rebounds, and 17.1 minutes per game. Shot 505, 452 beyond the arc, and 818 from the free throw line. In just his last four games, he's won back-to-back OVC Newcomer of the Week awards. In those last four games, he has... Three double-doubles, averaging 17 points per game, 13 rebounds, 
and 32.8 minutes per game. He's upped his field goal percentage to 609, free throw percentage to 909. He's been fantastic to watch, and Avery is very busy throughout basketball games, too. You're on a camera or running the video board one. What's Kane Henry been like just to watch him? You know, he's he's really starting to step into that role that we, we a lot of us thought he was going to when he first got on campus. Uh, it's kind of took him a little bit of time, but he's really he's becoming that human highlight reel. He's Kane Henry, he makes camera work easy. Uh, he, he puts a lot of a lot of good highlights on the video board. Maybe he'll get us on ESPN one day, kind of like Jamal Gregory did last year. Uh, but Kane Henry, we talk about all the highlight plays he makes. He almost got the DQ dunk by himself <laughs> in about a minute and a half uh, against Moorhead State. So he's, he's really been awesome to watch. And then on the women's side, JSU women, they've won two of their last three. Tennessee State coming in, hasn't won a game yet, and we're trying to keep it that way on Thursday night. And then Belmont, who's perennially uh, just like the men's basketball team, women's basketball team's fantastic. And so uh, hopefully uh, looking to pick up a couple of home wins in conference play this weekend against them. Yeah, the women have been on a roll here lately, but uh, had a setback against Moorhead State uh, Saturday night, but looking to get back, back in contention against Belmont. Now, outside of Jacksonville State Athletics, it's uh, been a busy week, busy month in pro sports as well. Um, we all got some terrible news on Sunday, uh, the death of Kobe Bryant. Um, he and his daughter and seven others killed in a helicopter crash in California, um, which is... When I heard the news, it was unreal. And uh, obviously, he, he played for 20 years, from 96 to 2016. I grew up watching him, Avery, I'm sure. Yep. You grew up watching him as well. Uh, what did you think when you heard the news? You know, I, I'm not a huge NBA fan. I'm not a huge – wasn't a huge Kobe Bryant fan when he was a player, like a lot of people, because I was a Celtics fan, actually. But uh, the news really shook me up. Um, a lot of – you've heard a lot of stories about how Kobe has affected – all these lives and 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 I think they're they're so true. It's crazy the the impact somebody can have in so many people's lives that especially somebody like me, like you that we never met him, never were going to meet him, but but he's affected us some way and he's affected so many people like that. Yeah, and when I was growing up, like like you said, I wasn't a huge NBA fan. I was a big baseball fan, but even at that age, uh all you heard about was Kobe and Shaq, that yeah. duo and the championships with the Lakers and you know, you couldn't help but know who he was, and uh, I think the 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 thing that was that hits hardest is he was only forty one years old. And he's one of these guys that you expect to even into retirement to be like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, uh, uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. You expect him to be somehow involved in the NBA for the next twenty to thirty years, and now um, when the news hit. You know, you all of that goes through your mind, and you just think, "Wow, that was." You know, it's it's just so hard to believe. Yeah, I, I think that's really sad because we don't get to see that chapter of his life. Um, the the father that he was, uh, the all that he did for for the community. Uh, so many videos coming out of of the character of his character. Um, saw a video of of him just being a good Samaritan and and helping uh, helping direct traffic after a, a car wreck and. A lot of people have said that that stuff, that kind of thing, happened all the time with Kobe Bryant, and and it's sad because of the great person that he was. Then obviously his daughter Gigi was in the uh, accident as well, and her her dream growing up was to play basketball just like her dad. And uh, UConn, I don't I don't know if you saw it. UConn had a fantastic tribute to her. Uh, that was her dream was to play at 
UConn women's basketball, and uh, they put a jersey out on the chair for her and had it illuminated. And it was it was a really cool scene that they were able to honor her. And then uh, the seven other victims of the crash. Uh, one was a former Division One baseball assistant coach. Was a you know definitely a, thinking about their families in a tough time, and it's something that has affected everyone in the sports world and beyond. Uh, transitioning over to uh, football, professional football, the Super Bowl coming up, field set for that. And uh, Avery, a little heartbroken. Avery's a big Titans fan. Uh, Tennessee Titans had a great run in the playoffs, ended up falling to the Chiefs in the uh, AFC uh, championship. But Avery, I I was really rooting. I was rooting for the Titans. I, I grew up in Tennessee like you did. Really wanted the Titans to win, but I'm, uh, I do a terrible job of keeping up with the NFL, and I wasn't about to jump on the bandwagon when I know there's true fans like you that have <laughs> suffered for years and years and uh, they finally make a good run at it. And uh, I was, I was definitely rooting for them. Uh, and the day that they played rather the ninth, they played at Baltimore. You were at your sister's wedding. Yep. And like we said, you've had a busy schedule too. Were you one of those were, that was at the wedding with your phone out watching it on TV, or were you able to escape and go watch it? How did that all play out for you? Luckily, the wedding was at 3 o'clock, so I was able to make it back by the by kickoff. Um, she kind of messed me up there, which <laughs> not a lot of people would have thought the Titans would still be playing at that point, so I guess I guess I can't blame her for that. But, yeah, I mean, I wish they were still playing this week. Uh, give them a chance to go against the 49ers, against Jimmy Garoppolo, the former OVC Player of the Year. That's right. Uh, uh, someone was talking to me the other day. Uh, they had mentioned they didn't know Garoppolo had gone to Eastern Illinois and played quarterback there. And I said, oh, yeah, Garoppolo played there. Uh, as a matter of fact, and that's where Tony Romo Tony played Romo. and Sean Payton, head yeah. coach of the Saints. And so uh, the quarterback lineage at EIU is unreal. But Garoppolo, uh, I think we can all say we're rooting for him as a former OBC guy going up against uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes, the Titans could have gotten past him. They they got past Tom Brady and got past uh, Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to be the MVP of the NFL this year. But Mahomes, uh, they couldn't couldn't contain him. So Super Bowl Sunday is set. Sunday, February second, five thirty p.m. San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that'll just about do it on this week's uh, wrap up in sports. Uh, be sure to go to jsugamecocksports.com. Go to the sports link. Check out the schedules. Um, like Avery and I were talking about, you can go to Inside Athletics, and under that tab, there's a composite schedule link that you can go and view everything that's going on this month, not just individual sports. Uh, keep in mind that men's and women's tennis is underway now. They played their first home matches just last week, uh, split a couple of matches with West Georgia, the men won their match. Women lost their match. They won't be home for a little while, but they're on the road right now today taking on Mississippi Valley State. And then tomorrow, Alcorn State, track and field underway as well. You can go to the track and field page, check out their upcoming schedule. Their next meet is the South Carolina Invitational, February 7th and 8th. Then is in Columbia, South Carolina, hosted by the University of South Carolina. The next time uh, they're home, Somewhere near that you can uh, go check them out. They'll be at the Bulldog Open, hosted by Samford. That's in Birmingham, Alabama, on February 15th. And then the OVC Indoor Championships is on February 26th. And that is in Birmingham as well. That's at the uh, Birmingham Crossplex. And if you've never been there, that's a fantastic facility. Uh, and even if you're not a big track and field person, it's, it's, it's something fantastic just to go see. And then with a good lead-in into our interview, the... 
Jacksonville State rifle team has a couple of meets coming up just before the start of the OVC championships. They'll actually be in El Paso, Texas, UTEP, hosting a couple of meets. They will be at the UTEP shoot on January 31st. That's a Friday. And then on Saturday, February 1st, OVC rifle championships in Martin, Tennessee, set for Saturday, February 8th, and Sunday, February 9th. And so that leads us right into our interview with rifle student athlete Mackenzie Van Patten, who is a sophomore on the rifle team, has been shooting since she was about 10 years old, got serious about it, she said, when she was about 15, and then started uh, getting into the recruiting process and chose Jacksonville State. Like I mentioned earlier, she'll take us through that and give us a crash course on the sport of rifles. So here is today's interview with Mackenzie Van Patten. Joined on the podcast today by Mackenzie Van Patten, a sophomore from Nampa, Idaho. And welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on with me. Thank you so much, Tyler. It's great to be here. So uh, I think, first of all, um, I, I feel like this is something I ask everyone that's not from around here is how did you find Jacksonville State from Idaho? Absolutely. Well, um, I started, I'll answer that by just kind of telling you how I started shooting. I started when I was 10 years old um, at a club at Meridian Optimus Junior Rifle Club in Meridian, Idaho. And I got pretty serious when I was about 15, 16. And my parents threw me in national matches right my first year, right out of the get-go. And um, I just got pretty serious, like I said, when I was about 15, 16. And I decided that I wanted to shoot in college. So I just talked to a lot of collegiate shooters and coaches and uh, met them that way. And then uh, reached out to a lot of them through email and phone calls and did a lot of unofficial visits. Um, and then I chose Jacksonville because of um, scholarship was obviously a huge part of it. And then they also had a good business program and I'm studying marketing. And I always knew that I wanted to come to the South. What's the recruiting like in Rifle? Is it any different than any other collegiate sport? Because it sounded like you did a lot of reaching out yourself and was mm -hmm. doing a lot of research on your own too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and a huge part of it also is if coaches, um, if they come to those other national matches, I would shoot at three every single year. And it helped if the coach was there so that I could um, reach out to them. I mean, just like anything else, you have to be a certain age before you can um, talk to the coaches or before they can reach out to you. But a lot of it was just talking to shooters and seeing how they like the team and everything. Because a lot of coaches will tell you, you know, our school is the best thing ever but you learn from other shooters that you know there are sometimes pros and cons to it so a lot of it um came from talking to them but yeah so just emailing them and then having phone calls and I think my my junior year the summer after my junior year is when I did all my unofficial visits and so I just went around and they showed me the school couldn't couldn't do an official visit um but yeah I just kind of got to know the school and everything and then you go through the NLI process, and I, I signed in November, um, the year before I came in November. So you got started in rifle very young. Was that something from a very young age you started looking at colleges and you knew that's what you wanted to do and started researching, or was that something that came later and it just kind of the opportunity, I guess, presented itself? Yeah, like I said, when I was about 15 or 16 is when I decided that I wanted to shoot. It was actually a specific match. It was winter air gun. Um, when I was, I think, a, a freshman or sophomore in high school. And that match was just, it was a big thing for me. I got to stay in the dorms, so I was kind of independent. Um, and that was a really fun experience. And that's just when I decided that 
I wanted tissue in college and yeah. And what university was that at? Where did you get to go to stay in the dorms? Um, so that was actually at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. When you talked about getting started from a very young age, shooting at a club, is that air rifle and small bore just like you guys shoot today? Or was that, you know, your, your regular, like a 22 rifle that you're just going to kind of like a shooting club and mm-hmm. shooting like that? It was really just air rifle. There were a couple lanes that you could shoot small bore on, but it, it really wasn't set up very well for small bore. So in all honesty, I didn't shoot much small bore before I came. And I think a lot of collegiate shooters actually come from close to the um, close to the same thing. They just don't have a nice range set up for small bore. And it wasn't, it wasn't a super nice looking range. I mean, there were only eight lanes, but a bunch of equipment was on the last two. So we could really only use lanes one through six. And, um, so it it wasn't, you know, super high class or anything, but yeah, we really just shot air rifle. Did you shoot in high school? Was that was that an option, or did you have to go to a club to be able to shoot? It was all through the Meridian Optimist Club, yes. I went to a small charter school, and the only sports we had in high school were women's volleyball, which I played, and men's basketball. That was it. So there was no shooting, or uh, there wasn't even track and field in high school. So, yeah, no stadium or anything. <laughs> Despite coming from a charter school like that and having not that many sports to play, have you seen rifle rise recently as a more popular sport? Have you seen it gaining more traction? Yeah, I think a lot of it is where you're from also. I know that there are a lot of junior clubs in Texas. Uh, One of my teammates is from Texas. And so if you're able to travel a lot to those matches, being from Idaho, nothing was close to me. All of the, you know, a lot of colleges would host matches for clubs and everything. JSU does it also at our Gamecock Invitational um, every year and clubs come to that. So People in this area, they get to know each other by going to these matches. Being from Idaho, personally, I I did not get to know a lot of the people unless I did go to those national matches. But I think that I think that it is growing. I think that the more we talk about it and the more we let people know that it's there. I mean, most people don't even have know we have a rifle team here. So I'm trying to make that change and let people know that that it is really here. <laughs> and you've done a fantastic job of that so far. You you've started up a lot of the social media accounts. If mm-hmm. people want to follow the rifle team on social media where do they need to go yes so facebook is jsu rifle team um jsu rifle is the um actual name of it and then um yeah the instagram is gamecock rifle you mentioned coming from a small town like nampa idaho um what was it like growing up there you said nothing was close to you so what what was it like growing up in that town yeah well and I mean, Nampa isn't a super small town. There's probably about 90,000 there. I mean, it's not super small or anything, but it was on the outskirts of Boise, which of course is much higher, about 225,000 and rapidly growing currently. Um, But yeah, I lived about, I was about 20 minutes maybe away from the range, Um, but I still went to school in Meridian, which was also really close to Boise. And so uh, I grew up in Meridian until I was 13 and then we moved out to Nampa. So everything was still in Meridian for me. Um, so it really wasn't too far of a drive to get there. I mean, my school was in Meridian. You said you'd always wanted to move to the South. What was your biggest draw to move from the West to the South? Yeah, the weather was a huge thing. Um, I loved Southern accents. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, you have a great Southern accent. <laughs> You're in luck talking to me. Then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I really, I fell in love with the summer nights here, in all honesty. We would go out to dinner at 
one of the national matches here, we, we go to one in Fort Benning, Georgia, every single summer. And we would go out to dinner. It would be like 10 o'clock, but it would just be so warm. And the humidity didn't bother me. And back in Idaho, you wouldn't have that. I mean, it would get cold, you know, by the end of the night. And I just, I loved being able to go outside and not be cold because I get cold easily. So it was, the, I mean, the weather was a huge thing, the Southern accents. I just always knew that I wanted to be in the South ever since we started traveling there from when I was 10 years old. Do you ever get homesick still sometimes? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it is great to go home and see my family twice a year. I only go home on Christmas and summer. Um, but I really do. I really do love it here. Uh, we were talking before we got started on the podcast. Um, you had shared a story. Uh, you said it was a family friend actually that, uh, did a story on the West Virginia rifle team. Who's perennially a top five, if not national championship team. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was very enlightening uh, for someone who has um, that's new to the sport, doesn't know anything about it, wants to learn a little bit about it. So I guess I'll, I just want to talk about rifle, the sport itself, and um, even down to j just the type of uh, rifle that you use. There's a big difference in the rifles that you guys use to shoot with as compared to the one that's in Dick Sporting Goods or right. whatever. And so um, I what blew me away was reading that there's so many dials on the rifle that you guys use mm -hmm. to tune in to where you don't adjust your stance much. You adjust the rifle. Tell me about what that's like and just the, the intricacies of the yeah. rifle. No, absolutely. So we shoot, as you mentioned before, we shoot both air rifle and small bore, and they are precision rifles. So it, the small bore doesn't look like just any other 22 that you would find in Dick Sporting Goods. Um, everything on it is adjustable. Your butt plate, your cheek piece, you, your cheek piece, your opticals, both your, you know, your rear and your front sights, your palm block. You can even adjust the weight of your um, of the trigger. It's everything is adjustable to fit you specifically. Personally, I shoot a 1913 Anschutz Woodstock, so not as many things on my gunners are as adjustable as some people's. Um, but it is true that yeah, if something is not quite right, rather than adjusting it on yourself, you can just adjust your butt plate a little bit to get you those extra points. Um, but yeah, they have the they have the ability to shoot thousands of tens just all in a row because they're just so accurate that's I, I guess I can relate just a little bit because just from experience bow hunting that you're you're always trying to find an anchor point when you draw back elbow up you've you've got a, a kisser that you're putting right in your lip and you're trying to hold mm -hmm. everything in the same place is that that basically the same thing that you guys do that you do you find a stance that you like and then do you just try to mimic that as much as you can, or does it does it ever change or anything like that? You can make some adjustments if something is not working, but yeah, as a whole, everybody knows exactly what position that they shoot. And my kneeling position is completely different than some other people's kneeling position. Some people have their legs sticking out farther and have their elbow farther back on their knee, whereas I'm much more crunched down um, and uncomfortable, <laughs> but it works for me. So in all honesty, I just kind of do what gets you the best points, even if it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. Because you are sitting there, um, small bore, we do 20 shots in kneeling, 20 shots in prone, and 20 shots in standing. And air rifle, you do 60 shots all in standing. So you are sitting there doing 120 shots all together. So it's not like it's the most comfortable thing ever. Um, but yeah, everybody has their specific positions that work best for them. And yeah, you try to mimic them as best you can every single time. And I, 
I think something that a lot of people don't realize is that these shoots don't take, it's not something that's over in 30 minutes. It's, it's something that's fairly drawn out. How long does a normal meet last? How long, how long does it take you from pellet number one to the last pellet you shoot? How long does it normally take you to go through everything? Absolutely. So generally our matches say they start at 8 a.m. That means that ciders begin at 8 a.m. We have 15 minutes for kneeling ciders and then that and then we have an hour and 45 minutes to complete 20 and kneeling, switch over to prone, do our ciders, do the 20 and prone, switch over to standing, do our ciders, and then 20 and standing. So you get an hour and 45 minutes for all of that. And then they give us about 30 minutes to change over to air. At that time, uh, they start the 15 minutes, and then we are given an hour and 15 minutes to shoot those 60 shots and standing. So it'll be, you know, about four hours. And then if there are two relays, say we travel, we start at 8 a.m., you know, we got to get there at 7.15 or so. And then if there are two relays, just because of how many athletes are competing, um, then we have to stay for that extra four hours and then drive back. So, yeah, I guess about four hours from the time the first pellet is shot. And so you're you're doing this for an extended period of time. You're trying to stay perfect with your stance. You're trying to get tuned in on the rifle itself. Uh, something that may help is the uniform that you guys wear. It's very heavy, looks mm-hmm. extremely padded. Um, does that help with your aim, your stance, and being able to find the same spot every time so that you're consistent? Yes, it's all about stability. We wear a jacket, we wear pants, we wear flat boots, uh, we wear a glove, we use a sling for both prone and kneeling. All those things are meant to help us with stability and to um, prevent as much movement as possible. And uh, one of the details that I read, even down to the shoes, the toes are squared off. They're not uh, pointed. So I guess while you're kneeling, your your back foot's not wanting to move. You're anchored. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, some boots are actually a little more rounded. Um, they actually made a rule a few years ago that anybody who had square toe boots, you actually had to round them off because it was considered an advantage uh. if they were more square toe. Yeah, they've been coming out with some weird rules <laughs> lately. But um, yeah, it is. It, it does still. It helps you a little bit. And then you guys are shooting from anywhere between 33 feet and 50 feet away, uh, depending on if it's small bore or air rifle and what you're shooting. Correct. Um, and something that was very interesting to me was it's it's not like going out and just shooting 10 cans like uh, the the article had mentioned it's on on the target you've got a cluster of dots that you guys are shooting at and the smallest dot on the target is actually smaller than the pellet that you're shooting and what blew me away too that I I had not even thought of was the sights on the rifle don't magnify at all. That doesn't help you. Tell me how how tough that is, just being able to almost guess where the dot is that you're shooting for. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you really, the goal is just to line up your rear sight with the front sight with the bull. The bull is about the size of a quarter, and the dot that we're aiming for is about the size of a pen dot. And yeah, it really is just you kind of you get a good feel with with more and more practice you get a good feel for exactly what's centered and you want to take the shot when there's the least amount of movement as possible um generally that's a quicker shot than a longer drawn out shot if you overhold then you start shaking and it's probably not going to be as good your eyes start drying out things go blurry so you want to take the shot 
really sooner rather than later. What is the biggest difference between small bore and air rifle? What What's the difference between those two guns? There's really no difference as far as the um, as far as the positions go. You would shoot them exactly the same. The only difference is the recoil. So an air rifle, it's one seven seven caliber. It's just a little. It's just a pellet. It's runoff of scuba tank air. There's no recoil at all. Small bore, you are going to have a recoil. Uh, it, it there's no kick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you know shooting a twenty two. People know that there's no kick with that. But there is just a little bit of recoil that you'll see up on your front sight. Tell me about your relationship with Coach Frost and going through the recruiting process, finding Jacksonville State, looking at the uh, facilities here, the town. Tell me what it was like being recruited by Coach Frost and uh, him bringing you into town. Yeah, absolutely. No, Coach Frost is awesome. Uh, Definitely, definitely happy with my decision to come here. And um, he's been really helpful for me, especially. Um, I came out with not being super successful in small bore when I first started. And uh, he's definitely helped me a lot with that and gotten me where I am now. Um, but yeah, as far as the recruiting goes, he was, um, I always just sent him my resumes with my updated scores and he was very easy to communicate with, um, over email or, um, phone call if we needed to do that. He brought me out. Unfortunately, I think we came on a Sunday, so everything was closed. (laughs) Um, so we couldn't get in to see many things, but, um, he was still, he was still really knowledgeable about the area, able to answer all of my questions. And, um, it was a, it was a good recruiting process with him. Now that you've been here for nearly two years, being somewhat of a veteran now, what does it mean to you to be able to reach out to younger kids and people that are looking at JSU and recruits coming on campus? Do you kind of take it upon yourself to show them around and be kind of that big sister almost to some that are coming in you? I definitely do. I definitely do because that was one of the first things that I noticed about JSU was I was in Fort Benning um, at a match and a few, I ended up talking to a few of the people who were currently on the team and that really stood out to me because rather than some of the other teams that I had to go up to talk to them, they reached out to me and came over to see how I was shooting and talked to me about what I wanted to do and, you know, what I wanted to major in. And they were, they were super friendly in that area. And, um, I definitely want to do the same thing to other people. I take, I think I take recruiting seriously. I am always asking coach, who are we looking at? You know, who can I go talk to? Who can I reach out to on Instagram? Um, who can I go talk to if I shoot at this match? Um, that was a big thing when I shot at a recent match in, um, April of last year, I was asking coach, you know, who, who is he looking at right now? What, what girls can I talk to at this match? So, um, yeah, I do, I, I do want to be somebody who really helps them out. So keeping a friendliest campus in the South true to its name. Absolutely. When you were younger, did you have any influences, uh, maybe professional shooters, collegiate shooters, uh, your parents, you know, anyone that you knew, who, who were your influences growing up, getting into the sport? Mm-hmm. My well, my parents are originally the ones that got me into the sport. My biggest influence was definitely my older brother, though. He uh, he's a few years older than me, and he actually shot at the University of Nevada Reno for four years. And my parents got him into the range when he was ten years old, and then I came out long a few years later. And he was always the best one at the range. I mean, he always got first place in all of the matches, and so I always strived to be like him, and I still strive to be like him, as good of a shooter as he was. I probably will never be as good as he was, but um, yeah, he was really good, so I he was definitely my biggest influence, and 
he just graduated in May from Reno, and so he's done now, but he still keeps in touch with me, and we talk about shooting, and he still gives me pointers and everything, so definitely, definitely Mitchell Van Patten. Was there ever an interest in chasing uh, volleyball as your main sport? Yes. <laughs> um, I started playing volleyball in sixth grade, and I played every year up through high school when I was a senior, and I had kind of considered doing collegiate volleyball, but I didn't full-on go for it until I think my senior year and um it was it's difficult because I'm 5'2 and I got in the game fairly late for that um I I had always like I said I always toss with it I wasn't sure if I should do it and then my mom my senior year just said well maybe you should go for it so I did pursue it a little bit but no coaches had offered me positions until I had already signed with JSU for rifle <laughs> so it rifle just I mean, that was that was my path. That was supposed to happen. So now that you're here at Jacksonville State, you're a sophomore. What major are you? Are you uh, undecided, still looking to get into a major? What What's your career path kind of looking like? Yes, I'm studying marketing. And right now I'm thinking real estate. I, I'm actually a realtor in Idaho right now. Um, and I got my license when I was 18. So I this summer was my big time to really... Um, build clientele and, you know, sell a few homes. And um, so real estate, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm a buyer's agent. So real estate so far is what I'm thinking. Um, we'll see if that's, uh, you know, what I'm supposed to do for later on. Is that something that's tough to do when you only go home a couple of times a year? <laughs> um, yeah, it. like I said, I only go home Christmas and summer. So, and it's still hard to work with people when I'm just home for a few weeks over Christmas. So summer is really my time to um, build those clients and appointments and showings and sell homes. But when I am at school, I have a very um, flexible boss and she, um, our team leader, she does a great job with um, supporting me and what I'm doing, even though it's so off and on with, you know, coming home and working and everything. But what I do is I lead generate about five hours a week. So we have our database with people that I need to call and just keep in touch with and see if there's anything I can do for them. So I, I do lead generation about five times a week while I'm here. And then if any, if anybody ever has any real estate needs, um, I set them back up with the team at home or I can send referrals anywhere through the U.S. Just finished up a match with UT Martin at UT Martin. Uh, you guys go to UTEP next, January 31st and uh, February 1st. Uh, those two shoots coming up in El Paso, Texas. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you jump right into the OVC Rifle Championships. So yes. tell me about wrapping up the regular season, what you're looking to do at UTEP, and then rolling into the postseason. Absolutely. So the way it's scored, we need to have three good scores to um, be sent into NC to the NCAAs to see if we can go to nationals and the top eight teams go. So, so far, uh, we, we're not quite where we need to be. Um, so, but we do have, like you said, we do have a few matches coming up. And so I'm thinking that those are going to go really well and then we're going to shoot some top scores and um, hopefully win OVCs and go to nationals. Is it encouraging knowing that Jacksonville State has a reputation of being a great rifle team and that you've had former teammates, uh, alumni that have gone to the NCAAs, and we, we actually have an individual national champion in the school. Is that encouraging to you guys? Is it Does it give you something to say, okay, this is obtainable. Mm -hmm. I can do this. What mm -hmm. does that mean to you? No, it absolutely does. It's very important to me. I really want to go to nationals. I really want to 
go to OVCs and beat Murray. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't we all want to beat Murray? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and we're very lucky because one of the former shooters of the team, Brent Books, he um, he still he helps us and he's he's involved and um, he's it's always great to talk to him because he always has pointers for us and things to help us out. So it is it is nice to um, have that influence there because I know we can do it. Well, Mackenzie, this has been a fantastic conversation, very enlightening, uh, mm-hmm. especially I know for those that don't follow Rifle, don't know about Rifle. It's been very informative, and uh, I greatly appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, Tyler. I really appreciate yeah, it. No problem. Good luck uh, against UTEP. Uh, safe travels to El Paso, and then we'll be rooting for you in the uh, OVC tournament. Awesome. Thanks so much. That'll do it for this week's edition of Behind the Beat. Be sure to check back in next week when we release a brand new episode. For Avery Davis, I am Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, jsugamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSU Gamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.